Hello and welcome to the Copper and Blue podcast, and we're uh, coming at you a little earlier than I think any of us expected. Uh, I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson, joined by my lovely co-host, Shona Hickmore and Rob Soria. You guys, the Edmonton Oilers have won the Battle of Alberta, and it only took them five games to do it. Uh, looked a little out of hand in, after game one, with the Flames taking it by a ridiculous 9-5 to score. I think uh, after that game, if you ask any of us, uh, we probably would have said it would have been a shorter series, um, but not for the Oilers. The Oilers have wound up winning four straight, albeit the, the last one in kind of a controversial manner, but uh, they did it nonetheless to advance to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2006. Uh, for me, I was six years old when that happened. So um, it's the first time. Well, and I were not six years old when that <laughs> no. happened. I don't know so. what six years old is like. so in the first time in my I guess conscious life that I can actually look back and remember this this day um this is a new territory for for me personally and they it won't be easy though for the Oilers they're going to be taking on the Colorado Avalanche which as we all know has been just a fantastic team for the last couple of years they've been stuck in the second round for quite a few years but finally slayed that dragon beating the St. Louis Blues in six games. So they will take on the Edmonton Oilers. Um, Before we get into that next series and kind of tee it up, I want to go over the Calgary series. Uh, What what were your guys' just overall thoughts about how the Oilers took down their provincial rivals in just five games? Always ladies first, Shona. Have at her. Uh, Well, like I was saying to you, Preston, I think – we had talked a lot about how we thought goaltending would just Rob and I both thought goaltending would decide this series. And I really do think it did. Unfortunately, not the way that Rob and I had suspected. We had thought. I Smith- say fortunately. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, fortunately for Oilers fans, not the way that Rob and I suspected. We thought Smith might, you know, have more games like he did in game one, where he just looked like he uh, didn't know if he was coming or going or skating off the ice in the first. But um it was Markstrom that had a lot more difficulty in this series. I think um, just kind of um, settling. Like, I don't think I never really saw Markstrom settle into the series and really just like look comfortable in the goal for like the flames. Like I always felt like he was, you know, a step behind and um, you know, I think that really, helped the Oilers, you know, an unsettled goalie, their offensive, you know, guns really blazing with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, both, you know, determined to win the series. Um, I think that was fantastic for the Oilers. I think that they, I think they did get lucky in Markstrom being off his game. And, you know, I think that they got lucky and that they capitalized on that because they always, they haven't always, you know, there's been times where goalies have been looking really shaky and they've just, not you know that's not to say Smith didn't look shaky there were a couple games there where I was like holy fuck what do you think you're doing here bud get back Uh, in the net like stop it you know no for sure game one was especially a very terrible outing from Mike Smith I I said it in my post game for that one I think it was the worst outing I've seen from a goaltender in the first five minutes of a game in my life, if Smith were you just not watching the Minnesota game where he got pulled in, like, oh, I don't know. I took some time off in the season for a few games, so maybe I missed that one, but uh, that was not a memorable yeah, game. Too. But you know, like, um, Mike Smith is either really on or really off, and you know, luckily he rebounded and he was on, 
mostly on, you know, um, you know, 132 foot goals, notwithstanding, <laughs> he was mostly on um, for the remainder of the series, which was fantastic. Um, I'm glad for Oilers fans that that was the case because now they get to play Colorado, which I do think is um, a good matchup. It'll be some really good hockey, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for me, uh, same sort of thing with the goaltending. Um, while I didn't think Markstrom was terrible, uh, I just think the Oilers were that good. Um, he didn't he didn't play at the level that you would think. Uh, but outside of game one, I don't think he let in a lot of bad goals. Um, no, I just he, I don't yeah, think he, he settled in his Vesna goal, yeah. like I am a brick wall mindset that we'd seen earlier in the season. For sure. And for me, it was, I laid that more on Calgary. Like I do to a degree on him as well, but at the end of the day, the Oilers' best players were the best players in the series. The, they're the, that's yeah. what, for me, what determined it. Calgary's best players were all right. Uh, again, Edmonton's top five players. I think we can all agree, at least offensively, if you r- remove the, the net minder out of the equation, you're looking at McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Kane, Nuge. Uh, one of them was in on all 25 of their goals. Like, so, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, every single one of their goals, one of them was in. And I'm talking from a point standpoint, not being on the ice, from a point sp- standpoint. So, when your top five players score all of your goals – you're going to win. Right. And Calgary's top line wasn't good enough. Um, Goudreau was okay. Like he created, but he didn't create enough. Kachuk was all right. Um, Lindholm wasn't as good as he usually is. And like most people said, Backlund was probably their most consistent forward. And if that's going to happen, you're not going to win. So yeah. You know what I find was really interesting from a, just a, a standpoint of just watching Calgary's top lines. And that is in the third game, where they had Lucic got the five-minute charging or whatever they called it, charging, boarding, whatever. Yeah. They put Chuck in the box to serve that. And I, I just was like, why? You know, are you expecting that when he comes out, he'll be able to start a rush, but you have no idea where the puck is? You know, like, I understand if he's not a penalty killer for you, he makes sense to put in the box, but you've also got fourth line guys who are hundred percent, not a penalty killer that you can use, you know, to fill that role. Why are you putting your top, one of your top line guys in the box to serve a penalty that you don't need them over there. It was just a very interesting thing for me to have, have been, there could have been sending a message because that game was, that game was over at that point. Like, you know, yeah, but it's still an interesting thing. Yeah. I, I like I am I'm not used to to coaches or whatever sending their top line guys over to sit in the box for a major when the guy's been yeah. booted, not right? for five minutes, right? It's no. the fourth line guy who sits for five minutes, the same way your top line guys don't sit for bench miners. You know, yeah. you just don't so, some teams do, do that though, which makes sense if you're like at a minor, but yeah. you're you're dead on for, for a major, no. Like, are you, are you, are you expecting that he's going to come out in five minutes and suddenly like start a rush? You have no idea where the puck's going to be in five minutes and you weren't using him as a penalty killer. So why do you suspect that, you know, it's suddenly going to, it's just, you know, and and teams that even teams that use four or top line guys on, on minors, like bench minors or to serve minors and that when they don't have to are still rare because their top line guys are generally decent penalty killers, you know? It's not as much as it used to be, though, right? 
You're no. right. Like, especially elite guys. Elite mm-hmm. guys don't kill as much as they did in the past. That's for sure. Some guys that are really good at it, like your Barkoffs and guys like that. But yeah, the high, high end guys don't kill nearly as much. That's, that's, no, but you also sure. don't put them in the box because you just assume you're going to, you know, put them back on the ice when you're back to five on five, right? It's just such an odd thing. Yeah. Uh, there was a kind of a, a few weird coaching things happening on Calgary's side. I, I know it was Daniel Nugent Bowman on Twitter from The Athletic, who uh, I think it was him, who noted that uh, at sometime late in this series that uh, Milan Lucic had more offensive zone starts than Johnny Goudreau in this series, which is ve- a very puzzling uh, statistic. Um, and I think it kind of uh, showed that uh, Daryl Sutler or Sutter doesn't really believe in line matching, which we kind of he kind of alluded to before the season, if not straight up saying it. And Edmonton is not a team you can do that against. You cannot not line match against guys like Connor McDavid. And I think it showed. I think this a, a part of a, this series win was that Jay Woodcroft had the more beneficial matchups, and Daryl Sutter just didn't try often enough to match up those lines so i think coaching was a a very big uh uh, factor in this series as well yeah to be fair though mcdavid was eating every line up that's true but still you you think you'd have your your best player again more zone starts than milan lucic right for sure but on the flip side of that do you want lucic on the defensive zone draw I would say not. I don't know if I'd want Lucic in any zone of the ice. Yes, but, uh, true, but... <laughs> but, but uh, here's yeah. the thing. If you have him and you're paying him, you know, yeah. theoretically, you have to put him somewhere. <laughs> the Oilers had a couple, I remember... I can't remember what game it is. It was one of the two in Edmonton. And I... Uh, Lucic... Or not, sorry, not Lucic. Uh, Cassian and Archibald started offensive. They got the same thing. They got an offensive mm-hmm. uh, start and... Literally within 10 seconds, Calgary was in the zone and nearly scored on Smith. And I was like, Ooh, it's like, but then I get it. It's like, what are you supposed to do? So, but you're right about Sutter to a degree, I, but I really did think his hands were kind of tied yeah. um, just because so many guys weren't playing well, you know, well, like you none of them were scoring. You know, the flames kind of had the, the Oilers syndrome from years past. They, they yeah. came out a little, a little flat against the big guys. And I thought it was interesting Almost every post game, um, you heard multiple players and and Sutter say to himself that the, the Flames are getting beat by one guy. And I think that was oversimplifying things. Yes, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale were fantastic. They were men possessed in this series. I, I'm not going to argue that at all. But you know, it's not just those guys scoring. I mean, you got you got Zach Hyman scoring six goals in five games. Evander Kane is scoring. New just coming up big in in key times. I think Evan Bouchard had a great series as well offensively. Yeah. Like. Yes, you're getting beat by McDavid and Drysaddle, but you got these support players actually being support players as well. For sure, but again, Drysaddle had 17 points. The Oilers scored 25 goals. (laughs) He was in on 17 of the 25 goals. Yeah, they weren't talking about him, though. They were talking about McDavid. Well, no, but but my point is, even though there's probably probably three or four of those goals that McDavid didn't get assist on, he's on the ice anyway. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah, it's. I get where they were coming from, and I know a lot of people took, especially fans and some of the media, took it more so to heart than I think some of any of the players did. Yeah, I know people are like, "Oh, it's bulletin board material." I don't think so, especially now with guys like McDavid, because ultimately it's a compliment to the guy. Like it really is. Oh yeah, for sure. 
right? And back in the day, they would they did the same thing with Gretzky. And those teams were never just one player. Yeah. But there were times when Gretzky would take over a series and you're like, okay. And you're just like, there's you can't stop this dude. And that's what we saw, especially during the first, well, three games or so, right? Where he was just unreal. Yeah, and credit to the Oilers too. The Flames had leads in almost every single game. I think spare for game uh, number three four? or four. Game number three four, the Oilers had that big lead. But I think in almost every other game, the Flames built a, a multi-goal lead and the Oilers came back in each each yeah. one. Three um, and four, the Oilers had leads because they didn't score till late in game three, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so credit yeah, to right, um, they're coming from behind against a very good team, a deep team. Um, and Hey, credit to Chris Tanev as well. The guy played through a, a, le- a levy of injuries. I don't think he should have been on the ice, but he did. And he played fairly well in his return, albeit being uh, the victim on two goals. Um, but considering half of his body, so considering, yeah, yeah considering uh, like, that, I think he played all right. Like for me, that encapsulates everything that's, you know, just so destructive about this grit oh, mentality. Yeah. You know, I mean, it in in some in a little bit with players where you know, Tanev. I I hope that you know playing didn't worsen any injury that he had. Um, but you know, you know, at the same time, he would have played even if it did, right? Yeah. Which is how you end up with you know players who are you know. Well, look at Oscar Clefbaum. We've seen it here in Edmonton when Clefbaum played through his injury in the the Chicago series. And it, it made things worse and worse. And now it's uh we don't know, maybe it would have been worse anyways, but it couldn't have gotten better from playing in the playoffs. So um Tanev was trying to get in after game one. Yeah. Yeah. No one I wanted to get in. But and and you're not wrong, Shona, but part of the deal is that's part of the reason why these guys make the money they do. Like it is. I get what you're saying. It's not right, but it's their choice. If they don't want to, they don't have to. But no, but that's the problem, I think, is that they do, even if they don't want to. I think the subculture that's been created has such a high expectation and places such value on this playing through injury, playing through pain, um, and how that, you know, makes them a more dedicated or determined player. That Uh, even if you didn't want to do it, you would feel a great deal of pressure from the the subculture that you belong to to do it anyway yeah well i guess eve of another way okay i'm hurt but everything from the time i was like 12 when i started streamlining to this goal tells me that doesn't matter that i have to put that aside and do this anyway and i just i think it's so ingrained that they won't even question it they don't question it. True, but I think part of it too is they just they want to play. And I get what you're saying, and you're not wrong, but they're looking at it as, yeah, you're right. It's part of it. They want to win. And they're looking to help the rest of their teammates. It's just how it is. It's a sports thing. It's not a hockey thing. It's a it's a sports thing. No, but I, I think it is systematically dangerous in all sports. Sure. Um, and to be fair, um, Rob, it is more a men's sports thing than it is a women's sports thing. Well, yeah, um, of course. Because women's sports are far less lucrative, so there's far less pressure put on the players to play through injury. Um, uh, I don't know about that. Like, oh, like, to a degree, yeah, but there are a lot of women who play through injuries. Though, oh, yes, but like right? not to the same extent, because oftentimes female athletes, like if I'm thinking of especially around hockey players, they have other jobs. They can't afford to go out and injure themselves, you know, because this isn't their livelihood. 
Sure, but right? the, yeah, and the other thing too is a lot of those male players because they've been playing as long as they have, like you said, and it's been ingrained to the degree it has. They're built to take it more because they've been doing it much longer, right? You well, can your pain up, threshold will yeah, become you've higher. Built, yeah, you've built up an incredible pain tolerance. Yeah. Wonderful. That leads to an incredible opioid addiction later in life. Of Perfect. course. Sure, but you know? again, it, it's. I, I feel it. like it's it's got it's such a or or even when they're playing, how many stories are coming out now of players that you know teams have been pushing drugs or you know, or cortisone shot, cortisol shots or whatever, so they can play. You know, I think that the culture itself has so many components connected to toughness and profitability and marketability that the players would just never, like you see it at every level, you know, of a variety of sports. I think the two that I, I see it or three that I see it the most are basketball, hockey and football um, in North America, at least, you know, I'm sure, um, soccer or football in Europe also has huge components of it because it's very profitable. Right. Yeah. But there's just that, that culture and that ethos. Right. And yeah. it, it, it's just. Yeah. They all do it. Baseball players, pitchers will pitch with their arms ready to fall apart. It's, it's just how it I is. Know, but right? it's, it's stupid. Cause it's, it's career limiting for yeah. either which way for them. If they don't do it, they're not seen as a team player. They're not seen as, you know, uh, being out for the team or whatever it is and if they do do it very likely they're they're shortening their their career yeah I, I don't know if that team player thing as much as the thing now as it used to be at this really level play. yeah yeah I, like, think, I really don't I and also I don't agree I don't disagree with you about TANF but what do you guys think dry saddles doing yeah, yeah and that bothers me too don't get no. me wrong like no guy, I get it but it can bother you. Injury. Yeah, it can bother all of us, but the dude's out putting up 17 points and whatever. And, and it's ultimately I'm not saying he's call. ineffective. No, but, but it's his what? call. There, right? there, I think there is going to be a point where, you know, players like Dreisaitl, who is as effective if they have been like, and Preston was right with Oscar Kleffbaum saying it. There'll be a point where they have to pay the piper. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that they have, um, you know, you see it in a lot of people or players as they retire. They have no conception of what life outside of professional sports. Oh, of course. So they have no conception of the fact that they're going to be 40 and barely able to move, yeah. you know, and it, it's just, I think on a fundamental empathetic human level, it's bothersome to me that yeah. this is the expectation of them, that they destroy themselves for 10 years of profitable enterprise and entertainment. And then they have 30 or 40 years, hopefully afterwards, where they can barely function as a human being because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I you, you hit the nail on the head show and I agree. Um, but ultimately I like, we're, we're kind of powerless in this. It's, it's a culture thing and uh, there's like, it sucks. I agree with you, but, but it's, but again, it's part, it's part of the deal. That's why I'm very glad the dry cycle is more effective injured. The TANF was, but I would like a culture where they both didn't have to play injured if they were injured. I'm interested to see how bad the injury dry cycle is going through is at the end of all this. Cause in the LA series, it was noticeable. You could tell he was a little more hurt. But he's got a bad knee, he's got a bad ankle, and he's got a bad wrist. He's got yeah, all three. And he hasn't healed hooked. from the season. He has a high ankle sprain, and he hurt his wrist too before the year was over. Huh. So he's playing he with looked, all three. He looked, it looked like, a, I don't know if they're just cortisone showed, shooting it up or something. He looked a lot better this series. He looked more mobile. He looked it moved more, along, yeah. He yeah. did. So I'm better, wondering, especially 
in the late late in the series three four five he was moving much better oh noticeably yeah better the the breakaway goal i think he had in game two um the way he moved on that was impressive uh, considering yeah. he has some lower body injuries he's dealing with them um, but, but the yeah, vast majority so. of those guys are hurt right some worse yeah. than others though right that's the thing and again yeah. as much as i was one of the guys who was on Mike Smith all year. I also said from the moment he came back that he's been yeah, playing he hurt. he was playing hurt. He played yeah. hurt all year. You could, anyone who's, I played goal most of my life, so I could tell right away. But anyone who's even somewhat familiar with how Mike Smith plays, you could tell within five minutes that. And why would anyone want to be somewhat familiar with Mike Smith, play, <laughs> Mike Smith plays unless it was forced familiarity, huh? huh? With, with how he moved side to side. And the way he was flopping down, that it just wasn't normal for him. Yeah, he has his issues with certain things, but his movement was it was all wrong. And I don't think that injury got better. He just got comfortable playing with it. Yeah, no, there's definitely moments in this series and past series where he's flopping down to get. Yeah. Some, right? you but, still see it where he, yeah. he he has trouble. Like that, I can't remember what goal it was and what game, but he like it was again side to side and he fell forward. And I was like, what, like, what on earth are you doing? But then I remembered, like, it's not really his fault because he can't move the way he normally would in that place. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so, of course, the thing that everyone is talking about from the series isn't that that insane game one anymore. All everyone is talking about is the Blake Coleman no goal. And um, you know yeah. what? It wasn't the thing that lost the series for the Flames. There was plenty of opportunity in the other games for the Flames to to go to, to hold their leads and not let Edmonton come back in. So I'm not saying this is the sole reason they lost it, not by a long shot. Um, but I, I was interested in what you guys thought about that no goal call. I'll, I'll let you guys go through your opinions before I, I give my take on it. Uh, I'll go first on this one, Shona. Um, I expected it to be a goal. So I was surprised it was called back. Um, he did kick it. Any, anyone who says he didn't kick it has never played a game of soccer or anything in their <laughs> life. So just because I don't know if they think kicking is like you're attempting a field goal and you punt it, like he clearly kicked it. Um, but it's, it's a matter of how you want to interpret the rule. Right. But to say he didn't direct it into the net, he most certainly did. So, you know, I, I, I would have been fine with it either way. And if the Oilers would have got it, called off you know people would have lost their minds so i get it but uh i don't think it had anything to do with the series i the oilers would have tied it before the game was over anyway yeah with the way, the way that it, was going yeah so yeah. i think it's very interesting because like you saw an immediate um kind of outcry when it was called back across not just uh um, calgary fans but across a lot of uh hockey Twitter that it wasn't a uh, kicked goal. And, and like, I understand, or, you know, it wasn't kicked in. I understand like Coleman was tied up with Smith. Um, I'm not entirely sure why he was that close to Smith. That's not a place you should be, but like he was tied up with Smith. He was falling. Like I get it. There's a lot of mitigating factors. I also get that the, the NHL has not been consistent in calls around goals and goaltenders at all this season, which makes it a, a lot harder for people to like accurately be like, Hey, is this going to be no goal? Is this going to be goalie interference? What is this going to be? Right. Because one of the, the, the biggest complaints and even people I know that aren't Oilers fans were saying is that there are goals like that, that were scored like that, that were upheld along the season. So they were expecting it to count because of that. Right. Yeah. You know, there's no consistency in precedent, um, which is, I guess, one of the other big complaints we hear about goalie interference, right? 
is that on one night, you know, goalie interference is X set of things. And on the next night, goalie interference is not those things. So who knows what it's going to be? It's going to be like a, a, a roulette wheel of fun. You know, was I, uh, do I understand um, Calgary fans' disappointment? Yes, because I think that for them, that was probably the thing that they were like, they saw it, it happened. They had that moment of elation. This series is going to be prolonged. You know, we're, we're going to go forward. Like every time your team scores, like, you know, when Oilers fans in the first game, when they tied it up, we were all like, oh, okay, you know, we're back in it. We're not going to, you know, get steamrolled, et cetera. But, you know, ultimately, whether it was, you know, later in that game or in the next game, I don't think that Calgary, um, someone said it best, I, someone I so Flames fans said it best, Connor McDavid is not going to let his team wait, lose three in a row. So yeah. I don't think ultimately it was the thing that decided the series. Yeah. I, I just think it, it, it definitely does add some, some controversy. Like, I don't really have an opinion on whether – it should have counted or not counted. Like it did count. Um, that's just what it was. You know, do I understand both sides of the argument for yes, it should have counted and no, it shouldn't have counted a hundred percent, you know, yeah, but again, yeah. it's like when you get a bad call from a ref on the ice and you know, you're, you're got people exactly. yelling. It yeah, happened. Yeah. You and the stands, you at home, aren't you in the Twitterverse aren't going to change it. You just take a deep breath, reset and live with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The one part too with the rule, because everyone always reads the first part of the rule. And I looked at it the other day and I just brought it up. The main part with the kicking motion, but the second part to it, where it says right in it, it says a goal cannot be scored on a play where an attacking player <clears throat> propels the puck with his skate into the net. He propelled oh, the puck oh, into yeah. the net because he moved his foot. That is, he was not in his natural skating motion. He did move his leg. He lunged. Yeah, I think one of the angles they showed, um, it wasn't the, the the net in the net cam that showed it, it was the yeah. one from behind. You could easily see where he was going yeah. and his leg jetting towards the puck. It was well, directed in and propelled. Yeah. I, I think and, it was the right call on the ice. I wasn't expecting it to be a no-goal yeah. call. Um, I thought they would have looked at it and said, well, the puck was going in anyways, and this is incidental contact. He had CC on him. He was going to spend too much things. I thought they would have just counted it. Um, yeah. But no, I think it was the right call. Um, a lot of people brought up the Chris Tierney goal from earlier this year, where it was pretty yeah. clear that Tierney kicked it, and that was a goal. Um, I don't think because that one counted, this one should have counted. I think that call was wrong. This one was right. So um, I do agree there needs to be a degree of consistency here. Shona, you hit it. I was going to say, it just muddies the water for, yeah. for anyone trying it, to it, play along at home. What's going to happen? The NHL is providing ammo towards them right when they are this inconsistent but i do think ultimately yes hands will it count or won't it count it was it's, it's it was hard, the right call yeah um, it's a hard rule though that if they're going to do it they have to allow it across the board right mm-hmm. like they have to because it's impossible to to say sometimes what is what isn't right yeah. and because some are directed but not kicked like if you're if you're skilled enough and you're at the right angle you can move your foot let it hit your foot without kicking. Yeah. Kicking motion, right? Yeah. If it just, just bounces like off a static player. skate, I think that's fine. Yeah. It's the yeah. the blade people, moving into the puck was the part that got. And it sucks for Calgary fans. I will yeah. say it sucks because that puck was going in anyways. If Coleman well, didn't touch part. it. Yeah, that's the part that touch sucks. It, yeah. it was in anyways. So it was a very tough, tough way to uh I give him it. I give him credit though, because in his post game. It's not like he sat there and said, I didn't do it. Yeah. 
he clearly said, I don't understand the rule, which is yeah. totally fine. Yeah, but I think he did. He said, in the same he way. knows what he was doing. In the same breath, I think he said, I, I thought you could direct it in. Exactly. And so so yeah. he thought that that was allowed and it wasn't. And, you know, I think yeah. it's the onus is on the NHL for giving a clearer picture for it. I think you guys are both right that there's too much room for interpretation. And yeah. the way it's been called in the past has led players to believe one thing is true when it's not. So, yeah. I mean, to be fair, like this is an interpretive English essay. Sometimes <laughs> it's right and sometimes it's wrong. Yeah, it was really all Hard points for like um, putting part of the concept down. I, got, I just got to say, though, a lot from, of math question. From, an yeah. Oilers, from an Oilers fan perspective, it was nice to see a, a call in the second round go our way after the 2017 series uh, well, with yeah, they, Kessler. They, they were owed with that. Yeah, the Kessler one, the one where he grabbed the pad, like yeah. hands on the pad to open up the five hole. The fact that that didn't get called, I'm, I'm happy we got one to go our way. I do I do have a question for you guys, though. When Smith led in that long goal, what was your reaction? Because oh, for me, I just chuckled. That's literally all I did. I started laughing. I wasn't <laughs> mad. I wasn't anything. I just started chuckling. I just slumped over in my, my seat and was like, well, this one's going, <laughs> this one's going seven in the, because this is ridiculous. I was like, this is, this game's done. There's no well, way we win this one. What the fuck? Like, honestly, no. what the fuck I, I also thought here? it was funny. I, I wasn't laughing out loud. I, my I, mind. I, I, I couldn't like, stop course. laughing. I was like uncontrollably laughing because I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, I think I went my my uh, when I tweeted. I think that's what I tweeted was "Oh my goodness!" But I could what not stop mean? laughing. What the fuck just happened here? <laughs> Do people score from back there. Yeah. I I, I want to know. A lot of people love this um, with Mike Smith's reaction to him oh, putting his hands out so and yelling. Heat. Don't get me started. <laughs> I took so much heat for that because I said it right away. And yeah. yeah you- some Rob, I think you said something like, "Which defenseman is he trying to blame yeah. this on or something?" Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Smith and the people are like, "Oh, you're reading into this or that." It's like, well, no, he does it all the time. Uh, yeah, well, he, that, and well, Mike, part of the reason Mike, you don't have Jones yeah. And number two, if you the next day, this is after the fact, right? Every analyst that was a former player, a goaltender. They all said the same thing. They're like, he's throwing up his arms in the air, like looking around like, whoa, what, what, like what? Yes, what's going on? And then, hey, uh, who, what did you guys do to, you know? And obviously he wasn't trying to, to per se blame anyone, but that was the reaction, right? Like it's the same reaction as when he screamed or tips go past him. So it was hilarious. And that made it even more, I think why I probably laughed even more. Because when I saw that, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, this is hilarious. So- <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I find Smith to be a very interesting kind of um, player in the media because the media loves him, right? The, you know, he's got that good for a quote, like, right? He's a battler. He's got that good old boy kind of mentality or whatever hockey man mentality. But at the same time, he is notorious for shoving his teammates under the bus if something doesn't go his way. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's such it's, an interesting contradiction because that should be something they hate. Like, you know, who was it who wouldn't do media and um, they hated it? But, but Shona, you got to remember this marketplace, they love those players. Right? But also, like, it, it, but Alberta it's just grizzled Alberta old man with the beard. He's got the. Yeah, but, but he plays, but he plays with an edge and he plays hard, even as a goalie. Yeah. So I know, they, but he they does more of that other stuff. He does things that 
would get other players. Yeah, a hundred percent. The same things run out of town. Like sure. if Nico Costley and played with an edge, but he threw his teammates under the bus, he would still get run out of town. Yeah. It's just such an interesting contradiction in how players are perceived, like and yeah. and how they're valued by a, a media and a, a fan base around a team. You know. Like someone should go like study that shit so I can read a paper on <laughs> part of it too, though, is right. Especially come playoff time, people become even more fans where it's like they can do no wrong because they're on your team. Right. So yeah. I, and I get that. Right. So I, I would, I would argue that the Oilers fan base is either. The oh, it's one or the other. Redivided. Yeah. They're either willing to increase and, uh, engage in critical debate around players and their their capacities and their lack thereof yeah or we're winning we can do no wrong shut the fuck up yeah well all those people that are saying that now they were the same ones after game five saying this is done these guys are terrible this, this series is over they were the same people they're the That's exact right. same not people. necessarily <laughs> oh most even, of them even when I, even uh, after no. we lost game five i was like <laughs> I am not sure that this team can string two wins together. Oh no, it's been I, super I, inconsistent. For sure, I don't. But I don't mean that, Shona. But I don't think you were in that group of going. These guys are god awful. They shouldn't be in the league. We should trade McDavid or Drysaddle. <laughs> those people. No, uh, no, yeah. those are the same no, I, people. I was not saying that. No, but but I, I was. Those are those like, people like, now. Like you said, can't separate. You know, because I was just, how, I was sitting there going after Game Five against the Kings. Like, I do not know how they're getting out of this. Yeah. They have not won two games in a row because at that point they had not. No, nope. you know, they are not seeing. You know, because up till that point in the playoffs, you know, McDavid and Drysaddle had been good, but they hadn't been supernova. No, nope. you know, here's a question for you guys: Has has <laughs> uh, this is a fun question? Has Car McDavid had his Steve Yzerman moment? Has he had that now? I don't even know what the hell that is, but yeah, whenever I heard it over the years, I started laughing. I was like, Steve Eiserman's moment was getting his ass kicked in the playoffs by better teams all the time. And then (laughs) when Detroit got better, they beat somebody. Yeah, he's had, then I guess McDavid's got his Steve Eiserman moment. Yeah, I've never bought into it, but I'm just wondering if we'll still hear that now. Um, Here's the other thing is, it's just, it it always makes me laugh because it's wonderful to have like these comparisons, like the league itself, like, this drives me nuts when people are always comparing McDavid to Gretzky. Like in the years that the league has been in operation, the way that the game is played and how players play, et cetera, hasn't evolved so much that you could put, you know, you could put a player from now back in the eighties or a player from the eighties now, and you would have totally different results. Like, honestly, like Gretzky is wonderful. One in, you know, once in a lifetime generational player, but I am not sure he would be putting up five goals a night against you know some of the goalies now the status of the the definition of an athlete has has evolved from so much right those guys are drinking well also there's you know far less you know what was it cocaine parties on white avenue (laughs) be happening you know um all right i I would say this preston as far as uh i the difference where i say mcdavid hasn't had a total like you said an eiserman moment the guy who is probably closer to that was madano because once Eiserman had his moment, he didn't score as much. He actually became more defensively responsible, but he didn't score at the same clip as he did when he was younger. Madano was the same with Dallas. Once Hitchcock got him and he became a more responsible player, his offensive, su- his offensive numbers suffered. The team won. He played more defensively. 
McDavid's numbers are not suffering. <laughs> McDavid <laughs> was never awful defensively. He was never fantastic. But even when he came in the league his first year, he was better than half of the Oilers centers defensively already as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, I so, think it's a, yeah, he, a little he bit was of a better than comparison. majority of the Oilers players when he came into the league at 18. Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we've gone this long talking about uh, the last Oilers series, and we haven't even started talking about the upcoming Oilers series, which is in the Western Conference Finals. They will take on the Western Conference champs. Um, regular season champs, I should say, um, yeah. Colorado Avalanche. Uh, it's going to be a hell of hold a matchup. On, on. Before uh, we Carmen go there, David. can I just say, what the fuck, Florida? <laughs> well, the, we'll honestly, Bay, man. Are any of, none of us can be surprised that Tampa beat them. No, I'm but surprised they beat them at four. Fucking sweat. Well, is, is that any different than Edmonton winning in five? Yes. Well, not really, because Vasilevsky was a. Vasilevsky played extremely well, especially in the last game and a half. I'm just saying for a team three goals. most goals <laughs> in the entire regular season, maybe you should have saved some. Yeah, well, to be fair, though, they didn't look very good against Washington either. No, right? but Jesus sweat. <laughs> yeah. Jesus you know what? If they were going to get swept by any team. team, it would have been the Tampa Bay Lightning. For sure, all the teams in the playoffs. I think that would be they built that team for a long playoff push, and you want to talk about underachieving teams? Yeah, but holy shit! But to be fair, what what did they build? They built a lot of team. Like again, you need someone, and I do agree with that. You need someone who knows how to win something. And there's almost nothing on that team that's ever been able to do anything playoff wise. Like there's nothing on that team. They're just a bunch of underachievers, and Bobrovsky. Can be really, really good, or really, or really bad. Really, really bad. And in that series, he was in most of the games. I'd say he was just good enough to lose, because yeah. really, it was the last two games of Vasilevsky was ridiculous, right? Yeah, we saw it against Toronto too. Yeah, it's just it boggles my mind, yeah. like, especially without point. You saw, yeah, you saw. <laughs> like, yeah, it's oh, a, just a test. I got bad, or Britain Point and I haven't been friends since he was in juniors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rob knows exactly why I'm not friends with Breaking Point. Hell <laughs> um, of a player, though. <laughs> fuck right off, bud. Um, but he. There, there, this seems like a, a story here that would be fantastic he, for listeners. I have no idea. No, he, he, he played for Moose Jaw and Juniors, and he was an annoying little shit that would come in, and he knew he was better than 90% of the people <laughs> on the ice, and he would just be a fucking pest that scored and you just fucking hated him you know i uh, my dad is friends with a guy who played in uh, i believe it was junior a against chris russell and apparently chris russell and his brother had that same type of attitude uh, in the juniors which is funny to to hear about a guy like chris russell having that uh that uh, swagger attitude at some point i understand is that most of the guys who make the show and stick in the show at juniors would have been a cut above the majority of the league. Yeah, no, I'm not Chris saying Russell, that Chris Russell probably Russell didn't dominate. Chris Russell, yeah, Russell scored a ton in junior. He was yeah. Chris Russell may be bottom of the NHL, but when he was playing junior A, he yeah. was like, you know. No, the, the worst NHL player would skate circles around you and me. No, no problem whatsoever. Yeah, because yeah, um, I refuse. I'll just stand still. I'll be like, go for it. But it's easy for us to easy. sit here and be like, well, this player A sucks, but you know, he's still in the NHL, better than most people in the world. So, yeah, player A sucks comparatively, people. Um, speaking of players that suck, that I probably shouldn't 
even say because I'm not a professional hockey player. Um, I thought Josh Archibald sucked in that series against the the Calgary Flames. He was among the worst players in the series for both teams, I believe, when you look at uh, um, advanced analytics. I'm yeah. curious, as we enter this Western Conference final, do we, do we finally see Dylan Holloway come in? Or even Devin Shore, do we see Josh Archibald leave this lineup in game one? Or is Jay Woodcroft going to that game one? Are you asking for Devin Shore? Come on, man. I'm asking for Devin Shore over Josh Archibald. I think Archibald has been terrible. Huh? Shore was much better than coming. Yeah. I but, never thought I would say it either, but I, I would like Devin Shore in the lineup. Over Shore, and, Shore and Ryan play well together. Mm-hmm. They have all year, but there's absolutely zero chance of any lineup changes yeah. to start the series. Ah. <laughs> the, the thing I don't mind about Archibald and Cassian is he doesn't play them. Like what, yeah. I think Cassian played like two and a half minutes last game. Oh, they're that that just ah, that, that bothers me. No, that bothers like... you. Well, okay, but you guys got to understand if that bothers you, the Oilers aren't winning that last series in five. No, the reason they're winning the... it in five is because McDavid, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins are always on the ice, and so yeah, are those other two guys. I know, but if that you're going to play a guy for four minutes, why? Why does that bother you? If because you're going to play a guy for four minutes, play the better line. guy for four minutes. But, you're, you're wasting a whole line. You, but where are these imaginary the teams that have a good fourth line? I'm not saying we're going to have the best fourth line. I just want, like, just a capable one. And I don't think Archibald and Cassian get it done. Okay, but was the Maple Leafs fourth line a little better than the Oilers? Yes. Did they ever play? No. No, but I'm just saying. Again. I'm just saying, I, four minutes of Devin Shore. I prefer four minutes of Devin Shore oh, way more than four minutes of. Josh don't get me wrong, Archibald shouldn't be playing at all. <laughs> like it, uh, that's not what I'm saying. And I agree. I've been hey, I've wanted Holloway playing up here since February. So yeah. you don't have to tell me twice to get that kid in the line. We, we had Holloway in the warm up. My God, that 15 minutes of him in the warm up was one of the happiest I've had in the series. I think. <laughs> I was so excited to see him, but then they, ah, they didn't put him in. I'm more okay with the young kids coming up now that Tippett is not coaching up here. I hated it. I hate, they're bringing up Broberg. They're bringing up all these kids. When Tippett was up here, I was like, why? And I've done, I've said this on podcasts. Yep. Preston can attest to Don't bring them up here. No. Leave them with someone who can actually coach them. I mean, now you've got someone who can actually coach them. I guess, okay, fine. You can bring them up here. Well, and Bakersfield but, is out, so they have nowhere else to play, yeah. so it makes no, sense. But, but. That, but that's what I mean. Like, what, when Tibbet was up here, I would be like, no, leave them where they'll actually play, right? Like, and it's an interesting thing to be able to, like, honestly look at it and be like, yeah, if Holloway comes up, he'll play. He'll be deployed in an appropriate manner. He'll, you know, receive appropriate ice time and developmental opportunities. I think Instead of being like... If Hallway comes up and they play him, they're going to bury him and the media is going to annihilate him. It's, it's just, it's a very... For sure. It, but in the playoffs... Refreshing place to be. In the playoffs, it'll be different though. But the thing with Holloway where they will... He's big, which people don't quite understand. And he can skate. Oh, he's so very The problem fast. they're going to have in this series... Archibald can kind of skate but he doesn't accomplish anything, right? Like I've always said, if you want to see people, well, he hits, he rattles the boards. I'll say that much, not even (laughs) hits people. Like he hits them. He He hits hits his own teammates. Yeah. That was actually the highlight for both of those guys (laughs) in that series. But honestly, I'm more worried about even more so worried about Cassian because he doesn't do anything. And neither does Archibald. No, no. And you got it. You can't have guys like that. It doesn't matter how long they're out there. 
this is an offense that will they're gonna roll guys. 10 players again in this series eight yeah. of them are gonna pl- see a ton of ice time it's just how it is mm-hmm. yeah i just, just worry because even in those because short if, um sorry shona you go ahead i was gonna say if something happens an injury worsens for dry sidle or something then they're like toast you have, you have no recourse well no, but they don't anyway nuts. let's not kid ourselves they don't have recourse. They're not. They're Get not. Up. I want recourse. <laughs> but they're, they're a year. Away. Okay, but they're at their closest point of recourse right now by having Kane and Hyman in the lineup because they didn't have those guys before. That Shut is the up. difference with this team. Like, let's not kid ourselves. That's what it is. They have better players around them. Their yeah. D still isn't very good. Let's not. Again, it's just. No, I think they have some better players, and they have a yes. lot better deployment and coaching. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, but, I think uh, you know the series will come down to if the Oilers' top guys can continue to play at that level because they're not going to beat they're not going to beat Avalanche on the defensive end. I don't think my fucking favorite can... salad ingredient is now my mortal enemy. What I don't the think fuck? <laughs> I don't think the goaltending matchup is as much of a, a gap as it was with Markstrom and Smith. I think Kemper has had his like he's been good but he's had a fantastic team in front of him i don't think he's been the game changer in most of the games um, oh no he wasn't very good against st louis yeah so i think the goaltending matchup isn't going to be as stark of a, a viewed as a stark of a difference it, as we thought it could be though was. it could That's be i know there was a few games with kemper against edmonton this year where he was fantastic yeah um probably didn't win more um but even the last couple like both of the goalies were fantastic in the last couple. Yeah. So. so it's really going to come down to if, because uh, I, I have every expectation in the world that Colorado's uh, offense is going to have a lot of prolonged moments of feasting on our defensive core. And Edmonton has to match that. They have to go tit for tat with uh, the goals here. I think it's going to be a very high scoring series. The thing is Colorado will trade chances with them. They yeah. Uh, the Oilers have to make that a thing. The Colorado won't let it well, happen. I- Oh, I, Colorado will make it happen. Colorado will happen. Col- Colorado will make it happen. Yeah. I guarantee you, because they can out. They they believe they can outscore the Oilers, and they probably can. Like from, uh, it's going to be a hell of a series. Yeah, I That's hope it's like, open. It's, it's I really do hope it's wide open. Uh, I don't think oh, we're going to see a lot of five, five, four, six, five games. I don't. I think we'll see some. But mm-hmm. I think it'll be a little more. Twenty-nine like, six games. Yeah. No, probably not. <laughs> I, I'm thinking there'll be the, you're probably more like a two, three, three, two, three, four, three, that sort of stuff. I'm thinking, but I think it'll be open, man. I really do. For me, the difference is going to be, I don't know how the Oilers are going to deal with Makar. I really don't. So, Favorite salad ingredient. Yeah. It's going to be. Damn. I just worry. He's about... the difference maker for me. Makar is for me what the Oilers fan McCarr is for my money. What Oilers fans want Darnell McCarr actually is for my money. What Dar- or Oilers fans want Darnell nurse. I, uh, I, I, I think that's what Darnell nurse thinks he wants to be. That's the problem. I think Oilers fans want Darnell <laughs> nurse to be along the lines of a Chris Pronger type. I, you know what? I'd be totally Where's- fine. Darnell nurse, want Darnell nurse to be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Not McCarr- nine point five two five million or nine point two five million dollars next year. That's what I want. <laughs> um, if- I, I one player I really worry about from the Oilers end is Duncan Keith because if Duncan Keith has shown his weakness, um, I think he obviously has, is that he cannot defend uh, a rush going wide on him. Can I think any of was- them though? 
Honestly, Duncan Keith can't as uh, can't sure. at all. Um, but, I don't know. If, I know Nurse has struggled with it. But as Nurse well. can't anymore because he um, can't skate at the moment. Yeah, yeah but no, Bouchard Nurse... gets blown up all the time as well. Yeah, Kulak's been blown up multiple times, and we know Barry gets blown up. So the only guy is probably Cece. Well, you know oh. what someone was saying to me that I, I thought I... was quite funny. Yeah. Um. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. The Avalanche have been running through their draft class. Like, you know, 2009 was Duchesne in, in Nashville, and then Ryan O'Reilly yeah, in Ryan St. Louis. Now they got Tyson Berry. And now 2011, Tyson Berry in Edmonton. So, yeah. was I, I Tyson Berry drafted in 2011? I think that, so. Draft been around for a while. But that's wow. the thing. It's like, I, I think. He's been around longer and, than that, but well, no, he's not that, he's not that ancient. The, um, the, the thing is, though, I as much as I said what I said about the Oilers' defense, I think if they defend as five-man unit, they can probably contain them to a degree. This is so, the thing. It's, I didn't bring that up just for shits and giggles. I think that Barry's got a lot to prove. He was literally moved out of Colorado to make way for newer, younger, cheaper defensemen. Well, and Nazem Kadri. That worked out pretty good. Yeah. yeah pretty Kadri. damn good trade. But um, – I think that Barry could actually be potentially knock on wood, everybody knock on wood. I can't believe I'm about to say this. He could be potentially, you know, a more positively influential factor for the Oilers because he's got, you know, something to prove. Of course it could go the other way and he could do dumb shit, dumb shit. Right. Like, but he could. He could like he could have that kind of series that you saw Drysdale and McDavid have against the Flames, where they just found another gear and they were playing excellently, and you know um, their offense was great because you know he's not going to bring the defense, but maybe you know whatever. So like I just I did I don't know it's going to go one way or another. And you know, I, I also like the Oilers' fantastic chances. or awful. I like the Oilers' chances as it matches up from an individual perspective. When you look at the the battles that we'll most likely see over the course of the series, McDavid, McKinnon. I like I like McDavid. Uh, Drysdale, Rantanen. I know Drysdale is injured, but he's playing out of his mind right now. I like Drysdale, um, Hyman, Kadri, or Kane, Kadri. I don't. I just like the matchups here. There's a good um, chance Kadri is going to be giving McDavid a full twenty-four. Yeah, I don't. I don't throughout every like game. In the past, that has worked with Kadri. I don't know if yeah. it works on this type of McDavid, though. Like, I don't know. Like, in McDavid depends is- what he's allowed to get away with. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's the playoffs too. Late in the playoffs, so I don't expect uh, the refs to be calling everything. But and um, Kadri hasn't done that per se since he's been in Colorado with them as much. It was more so with Toronto. Um, but yeah, the the thing that might surprise me with it, and I think the Oilers should probably go this route in Game One because it'd probably throw Colorado for a loop. Because I'm sure Colorado's like, hey, we're going to trade chances. If the Oilers play a structured defensive game, I think Colorado would be taken aback. Like, what, what is going on here? If this he was is expected. Uh, yeah, and yeah, that'd be interesting if they did that. Because the Oilers have, to their again, to their credit, under Woodcroft, we've seen they can play that system. Now, that would be a lot of those games have been against bad teams after Woodcroft got here, but there are a lot of te- games against better teams that the Oilers played defensively responsible. Um, well, I also think that so, under Woodcroft, the Oilers have just, um, like you said, they've been more structured. Like yep. you have less guys, playoffs notwithstanding, going out and trying to be like, you know, I'm doing this all my goddamn self, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and that's helpful. Like the last games that they've played against Colorado in this this 
you know, this, this regular season stretch, they matched very well against Colorado. Yeah. You know, they, they were Colorado was missing three players, but yes, you're right. You know, were they missing? I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it was a a fully. Yeah. They were, they were missing them in all three. Uh, the last game, Landeskog wasn't there because he. Landeskog wasn't there for the last two. two. I okay, think the last two. Even even then, I thought they like the first game. Like they didn't lose to Colorado in regulation. I think they played very no, well. No, like I said, because yeah. they Colorado will play. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Right. But that's the other thing is playoffs aren't the same. You know, the last the the, the first last one they lost in Edmonton. To, or, second last one they lost in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, they lost in the shootout. You know. Yeah, you don't have <laughs> those kind of formats in no. in the playoffs, you know, which may favor the Oilers because then it's not down to your goalie versus shooters, right? Correct so me if I'm wrong. Less about like a goalie that's having a really dialed in game, which yeah. is you know that that second to last game, essentially what it came down to. Kemper was playing really well. Yeah. yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Edmonton had like what 14 shots in that overtime too. Something like that. It was, I remember it was they were peppering like, Kemper. And he was, yeah, they were peppering him. I mean, yeah. to be fair, you know, this will not be three on three. No, so no, 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 no. they'll have less space to work with. But it is helpful. I think the format favors Edmonton because, you know. Potentially. Or it has the potential to. Yeah. Again, it, like everything with the Oilers, it also has the potential to blow up in their fucking faces. Well, this, but Never this know is what not- I'm getting with the Oilers. So if the NHL could give me more consistency and the Edmonton Oilers could give me more consistency, I could be a lot more, you know. <laughs> but as Preston said, and I agree with them, this goaltending matchup, I think, is more of a, it's more of a coin toss. Oh, yeah. And because of it, I think they both have the same thing. They can both, when they play well, they're both really, really good. But when they play bad, they're both really And good. when they're off, they look off. Camper doesn't – Smith's one of those guys who just – when he lets in bad goals, they're just ugly, right? Um, but Kemper, you can tell just by how he moves in the net and stuff, he looks kind of off. And then pucks start to squeeze through him. Um, Smith, pucks always kind of squeeze through him just because of his positioning and how deep he is in his net. But mm-hmm. when bad goals go in – so I think we, they're, they're very noticeable, but the Oilers are to their credit. They don't get down on those goals anymore. Right. They've shown pre- a lot of resilience here. Yeah. They, they bounce back. They're like, okay, we'll get it back. And we go from there. Right. Uh, I'm very surprised throughout this playoffs before. as well. Um, those times where the, the opposition comes back and you expect the Oilers to have like a weak goal going in the last five minutes. Yeah. Um, you know that's yeah. happened countless like the times. Footer? Yeah, well, that's happened countless <laughs> times over the last like decade and a half. Here, um, that's not happening this this playoff. No, when when it looks like the other team gains momentum, Edmonton is finding a way to get that extra goal and hold on to that lead. Yeah. Um. So I think that's obviously a, a, a very positive sign going in against the team. They will probably have to come back a few times against. The Oilers oh, yeah. aren't going to be holding leads in this series for long amounts of time with the offense they're facing, right? So I think that's a positive sign. And hey, give give Colorado some hell, give them some some adversity here because Colorado has had a much easier path. I'll, I I will admit the St. Louis series was a little shaky for them, but you know they've St. had Louis a, is a, St. Louis is just as good or a better team than Calgary. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, for sure. But right. uh, um, I say yeah, I think I like the Oilers' chances in this one. I, I I was a little optimistic with my prediction in the Calgary series. That was yeah. more my heart talking with that one. Um, but this one, I think they have a fighting chance here to to get a Stanley Cup berth for sure. 
Yeah, it, it really will be interesting to see how they play against the how, how they just play against each other system wise. Because mm-hmm. I will give Edmonton credit, they played their system fairly well against Calgary, and I don't think they, they got enough credit. For it. They forced Calgary to play their game. Yeah, and, the, the, and the Edmonton Oilers game, and Calgary was dumb enough to do it. Because yeah. if Calgary wouldn't have played that way, this series would probably still be going on. Yeah, and you know, sure. before we and, did this, I talked about if Calgary was going to be stupid enough to give them a bunch of penalties. And yeah, but a bunch of penalties. The Oilers, for the most part, deserve credit because, again, after game one, 90% of the fan base was losing their collective shit because, oh, we need to hit, we need to do this, we need to do that. No, I, and it's like, I'm no. Oilers, I'm not saying the Oilers didn't do well. Oh, no, I'm not saying you. But. Yeah. Were, the Oilers maintained discipline, which was the other thing Preston and I were worried about, right? Yeah. But Calgary Kane, did not. Kane took some bad penalties. Archibald, I think, took a couple. But really... We did not get the fight. We did not get the fight. Yeah, we did get a fight. We predicted no, I fight didn't think... We, if we were, it would have been the first game. Yeah. But the, the difference was, like you said... Yeah, I thought we might get a fight after everyone and the popcorn guys were down on the ice in game three. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> everybody in the popcorn guys from the second deck were down on the ice for that <laughs> but Cal- calgary was like you said calgary is dumb enough to trade chances and they refused it was funny because in their media scrums on day- days off sutter said it lucic said it a couple other guys did they're like it's about puck possession and it's like yes and they kept giving the puck away which it made no sense watching calgary they just kept dumping the puck in or they were flipping it in on uh, Smith. And I was like, what are you guys doing? Like, you guys are talking about puck possession, but then you're just giving the puck away. I think it very was very confusing. I think McDavid was in their head for sure. They were oh, yeah. panicking and they were like, I don't want to be the one to give the puck to McDavid or on a, on a yeah, bad and there was a lot giveaway. Of so I'll dump it in. They played a lot of like safe, that. like uh, very safe dump ins and that, right? You know, um, to Smith's credit, that's kind of the game he plays. He thrives on that type of thing. Um, yeah, and, and dump-ins and stuff because he's able to to move the puck up to his defenders quickly. Smith coughs up the puck, but to be fair, and I know everyone's like, oh, he's terrible at it. Fair. He's really not. He's actually pretty good at it. Yeah, but because he plays it as much as he does, he is going to cough it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Marty Brodeur coughed it up. It. Hextall coughed it up. He plays and it a lot. coughed it up. All those guys you know? did. Yeah. He plays it a lot. He's yeah. fairly good at it. You know, playing it for a goaltender. Um, I don't think Oilers fans who say like they wish he would play it less and that he had a better defense to come collect it are wrong either. You know, yeah, he is not Stuart Skinner playing the puck, but Stuart Skinner was also taught in an entirely different system where defenders were supposed to come get the fucking puck, you know? (laughs) So I, I think, again, we talked about the evolution of hockey, you know, like I think that you see some of that, right. Um, it's just uh, a very interesting kind of thing because Smith is like um, you've both mentioned kind of a throwback kind of goalie, you know, like yeah. he's, a, he's an old edgy, you know, whatever veteran goalie. And yes, we love that, but also that comes with weird quirks. Weird quirks. For sure. Uh, one last point I want to make uh, uh, on a player that I, I'm going to be watching early on in this series is uh, Kyler Yamamoto. Because, um, you know, in the regular season, he was kind of the pest with uh, Colorado. He, he was a thorn in the side, I think, all three games against Colorado. So I'm interested to see how uh, he inserts himself. I think he's been playing well of late. Uh, entering the series, um, we talked about how he needs to finish those chances. He hasn't quite produced as much um, uh, as much as we'd like. But I'm interested to see uh-huh. how he... Uh, 
how he comes out of the gate on Tuesday. As well. What do you guys think they'll use for lines? Uh, what I think or what think I you, want. Think, <laughs> what, you I, what you want is of no importance. Yeah, what do you think they'll true. do? <laughs> um, Your top line is the same as it was against Calgary. Drysaddle, McDavid, and Kane. I think probably the yeah. I think it's the same lineup for at least game one. But uh, okay, but the those lines were different last game though, right? Oh, yeah, it was pitch game that he swapped Hyman and King. I think, and oh. then Yamamoto and uh, Puliyarvi. No, I think it's more game four. I think that you know Kane is back on the top line. Yeah, I think Hyman is on the second line. Yeah, I think Nuge is with Hyman on the second line. Whether it's Puliyarvi or Yamamoto, I'm not sure. Uh, for me, that's I'd, a pick 'em. Yeah, I would I'd rather Puyarvi. honestly, I rather it's Yamamoto right now because I think Puliyarvi will help McLeod and Fogel. See, but I from a defensive I'm also, standpoint, I'm also like from a defensive standpoint, yes, but I'm also like uh, Nuge's line got um, not so much in the second series. He was very good in the second series, but it also got rolled a lot in the first yep. series. So. Yep. You know, defensively, it was horrible in the first series. So no, I agree. You know, do I want Nuge to have success? 100%. But I think part of setting that line up for success is uh, putting at least, you know, somebody who can think defensively because Nuge, Nuge is wonderful, had been wonderful offensively in this playoffs, but I haven't seen any of that kind of. Wonderful is a stretch, my friend. Well, for Nuge, Come on. Wonderful. let's be honest. For comparatively to his previous playoff, his well, previous scant so playoff, nothing, we're, we're, we're comparing nothing. <laughs> yes. <and> making, <laughs> yes, we are. We are Oilers fans. I, I love Nuge as much as the next guy, but come on now. Um, we are I think Oilers fans. This is what we do. Shut <laughs> it. <laughs> no, because um, uh, for me, how I look at Colorado is if that third line, if they can just play even. And yeah. I think there's a better chance of them playing even with Pugliarvi there. So do I, Yeah. but I don't yeah. think that, that I, but that's the other thing is I also worry about that for Pugliarvi because if it doesn't happen, there's going to be this huge. From what the fans? No, I think oh. that he'll get in his own head. Well, I think he's already there. So that ain't going to yeah, change. Well, fair, but I think that he was, he was getting better at the end of the Calgary series and I'd really like him not to take a step back. Yeah, but. <laughs> But I think, but he's still, I think he's going to use him similarly, right? In a middle six role. But, and I th- I really think, I prefer Pugliarvi with Hyman. I really do. I think he plays well with them as his other winger. But yeah, because I agree with you, uh, Preston. Yamamoto, I think he'll go physically. He did with Colorado. His speed will be a thing. And his that might help that me. second line. He's I'm, finished I'm right now. Here. I don't know. I don't know what Wood Woodcroft's gonna go with here because I I really but like Mc, him up on that top line, but McLeod right, everything help. Just works better. I think right. McLeod needs help on that third line, and I like McLeod a lot. I think he's he still had a, needs help. A fabulous uh, postseason. He hasn't been yeah. scoring the points, but I think he's been yeah uh, playing very how, good. How comfortable would you guys be of a third line of McLeod, Fogel, and Yamamoto? I wouldn't. Not against Colorado. Okay, well, but that's the that's thing. hard. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can make a call on a, this one. Hyman, Nuge, Yamamoto line. Yeah, I agree. Like that's what I would say on that line. I feel like you're you're getting you're picking your poison. Six of one, half a dozen of another. Both potential combinations have, you know, flaws in them. It's just sure. It's just 
whatever you prefer at any given moment. Yeah, I just Luckily, think you can mix them up if they suck. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> the other thing too, the cane thing, cane. We saw again last game. I think he just kind of looked off, probably because of the kid thing. He probably had no legs, no nothing left to him because he didn't look as good last game. But he's nowhere near as effective, obviously, when he's not on that line. So I'm not a fan of Kane, Nuge, and whomever. And I think, like you said, we'll probably see him back on the top line. I just love the the zone time we get with Hyman and Dreisaitl and McDavid just pinning that puck up yeah, and but, keeping the cycle going. It's fun to watch. But no, I agree with you. You're yeah, right. But to be fair, Hyman did that all series. Yeah. Right? Um, no matter who he was playing with. Yeah, you spread you spread it out, right? And, um, yeah. At least that second line has someone who can do that, and you know that first line has three guys who can do that. And you know you can afford to get that off to put a, a finisher like Kane on there. So um, yeah, it it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm really I'm looking am. forward to it as well. Um, I'm just yes. begging to God that we get a Holloway, McLeod, and then insert Yamamoto, Puliyarvi well, on that third. There you line. go, right? Then if, I, I trust that line if they're comfortable because Fogel has whatever not done much of anything but at least he can skate and he has some semblance of something in his brain from playing in carolina of how to play a responsible system but he's got no confidence like shona you were talking about puliarvi i think he's the same yeah but, but i i wholeheartedly so agree with you i'm sure i am sure fogel ryan shore is a good fourth line i like that i trust I, I, but the thing is i don't think bouncing fogel around to the fourth line is going to do anything for his confidence. I no. think he's going to be worse. No. You know, but again, you're not going to play that fourth line, so it really doesn't matter. Is he's going to? Does though? I think it, it has still the gonna potential be to matter. Factor on the overall game. Ninety-seven over the boards. <laughs> no, that drives me nuts. Well, but well that's in, how they win in the playoffs. I, the no, I, I have a problem with running McDavid into the ground in the regular Why? season for it's the playoffs. playoffs. If he's doing it, keep going. Yeah. But you're supposed to the game you're playing. If you win, you win. I don't care how you do it. Preston, I'll tell you this. I know you're not young enough and it was a different game, but, and they didn't really keep time on ice back in the day. If you watch old Oilers games in the playoffs, I swear to God, Gretzky played 30 to 31 minutes a game. Oh no, I I support it in the playoffs. All the time. Do it. If if it's working, keep going with it. I I just worry about the regular season. I don't care about the regular season. I agree wholeheartedly, but in the playoffs, do it. And it's been working, so why not? I'm more conservative. I'm like, okay, you know, I get it. But at the same time, I would really hope that you have more than two or three players you can, you know, do this to because otherwise it's going to take a toll as you go through, right? Yeah, but does any team have five players forwards that are better than the Oilers? I don't think so. Probably not. But the Oilers forwards also have to be on, which they aren't always, you know. By this, I mean, True. I'm not saying McDavid or Drysdale aren't always on, but as a collective, we, were, we yeah. were talking about them as a collective. Like, Nuge can be awful, yeah. Hyman can be quiet. You know, Kane has been really good, but we don't have a huge sample size. And on other teams, he's been a, a fucking tire fire at points. So, hmm. you know, Kane, Hyman? Kane. Oh, they've been Hyman. I was like, he was I, I, tire fire. Hyman can be quiet. Yeah, yeah. Kane can be a tire fire. Sure. Kane is either really good or really bad, is is my experience. He's not, you know. It, Kane does two things: score and hit. Yeah. Yeah. Passing is not, not a strong scoring. He's hitting. No. He's hitting. It's just not <laughs> necessarily good, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it. 
I, I can't. Yeah, I just, I'm so looking forward to it. It's not even, the only thing that would have been better is if the Leafs were still alive. Although Tampa would be good too, because. Do you think the Leafs would have got through Florida? Oh yeah. It would help. 100%. Sure. I I, see, I, like, I think I told you guys when we first did the podcast of the first round, like I picked Tampa, but I picked the Leafs every year. And the only reason I picked Tampa this year is because I didn't think Tampa would go quietly after having won two in the first round. I think if the Leafs played Tampa in the second round, I bet you Toronto might have beat them. I really do. Toronto's a really good team. They, they are. No, I'm not they saying are. they're not, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, the way they drew, they had to get through the lightning. And I'm yeah. not sure if they'd gotten through the lightning that they would have gotten through Florida. I just, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I hear uh, you. Like, it's, it's a it's a what if coin toss kind of thing because the, the Leafs play a very different game than, than the lightning can. Could you imagine though, if we get the Oilers, Colorado, and then the winner would play the Leafs, how cool would that be? Just from an offensive standpoint, (laughs) the three most offensively talented teams you'd say in the league. And then I guess you could, Tampa's not far off. That's the thing I don't mind about Tampa being there. See, but, but I'm not sure that even if the Leafs had gotten through and gotten through Tampa, I don't know how well they match up against someone like New York or Carolina. You know, Car- Carolina's a weird one. Carolina's a weird. I was going to bring New up York that is- what a series, a final that could be possibly even more fun of that is a rematch of 2006. Um, no, shut I don't your think face. that would be. I, you think that'd be funner? I think it would be a. How no. I, yeah, I wasn't, dude, just went, I wasn't really all around there when it first happened. You, so it'd be you'd my rather first. watch the Oilers and now I don't mean from a standpoint of being able to win. I mean from a entertainment standpoint, you'd rather watch the Oilers and the Canes or the Oilers and Tampa. Oh, I would rather watch the Oilers and the Canes because I just don't want Tampa to get three, and that's just from a pure. You know what? I would standpoint. rather see. I don't want Oilers anyone and three. Canes, and just because of the Ethan Bear. Uh, storyline I if Ethan Bear played a Stanley Cup final game against the Oilers I think that'd be fantastic that would be some entertainment that would be entertaining I would like that and both uh, of those both of those guys well I don't think Bears played a game yet in the playoffs I, I think that's a I don't think that's a good roster move decision by uh, Brendan Moore but I'll I get they have I well, well I you can I guess we can say that but they're you know it's up until the last couple of games, it's been working good for them. Yeah, so. no, they, they've been winning. But Fogel hasn't played much of any better. part of anything either, right? Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's very interesting. Like, the East has been very, very, you know, from a standpoint of we didn't think there would be a ton of surprises out in the East um, to, uh, to them being a more surprising, you know, you've got Tampa waiting on the winner of Carolina and New York, and it's just a an interesting no, kind I, of I, I still think the Oilers are the surprise of the playoffs right now. I think every other team has been like, oh, they definitely could have made it. I don't think a lot well, of people had Oilers. I think that uh, there was lots, a lot more waiting on Florida. I think Florida going out when they did was surprising to a lot of people. I think yeah. the way they went out was surprising. I think the fact that they went out to the Lightning is not as surprising. I think, no. I think yeah, I think going out in four is like, what? But, um, but no, but one, there was odds on money that Toronto is eliminating the lightning, right? So, you know, the lightning getting as far as they have, they weren't supposed to, not really. Everyone was like, you've already won back to back. Fuck off. Right. Yeah, um, oh, yeah for sure. 
Stop laughing at me, Rob. Just stop well, it. If any team was going to do we're it, playing it Toronto, going to be how, like, yeah, I don't know if anyone Toronto, could think they were going to lose to Toronto. I didn't get that. If Toronto could have done it in six, Toronto could have done it. Toronto just can't win anything in seven. I think so a lot of people had this year as a, a 2011 Vancouver slaying the dragon type moment. I think everyone thought this was going to be the year they but got based on what the though with Toronto. I don't know. I just I don't feel get like it. Everyone thought that was going vibes to be. based on vibes. Rob. Based on vibes. I think that everyone was expecting <laughs> Vancouver. My old. If Toronto would have played Florida, if Toronto would have played Boston, they would have won in the first round. I don't know I don't about know Boston. I, don't, I think they're too I think they about Florida. Boston. I don't know. Florida, maybe. I agree with oh, that. I think they. I think they're. I think they might have beat Florida in five. <laughs> We're talking way too really much for, uh, Toronto in this podcast. Uh, are you a secret Leafs? <laughs> no, I. I. I fully. The Leafs have a really good team. But, I'm not saying they don't. But what but, I am saying is they have big playoff angst. So. But but yes and no. Like some of them is an angst, and some of, other than Montreal which was a gong show last year. And I guess the second time against Boston, they should have won. But the other two, like Columbus was just weird. And the first time against Boston, they didn't really, you know. I I just think that like when we were talking about it being in people's heads, like Fogel and Puyarvi, I think very much this this first round exit is in the Leafs' head. Oh, for sure. But again, Sean, when was the last time the the Panthers passed the first round? Well, this year. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Prior to this year, right? But right, when was the last time that the the, the Panthers were considered competitive prior to this year? Uh, the last two years. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Outside of these COVID years, For you know, sure. the Panthers have a, a way. The Leafs have been building and dissembling yeah. and building and dissembling teams that should win the cup. For like, well. And part of that might be Toronto media bias. Yes, yes there Toronto media bias is a, a definite thing. For sure. Um, but this team receives so much hype. It, everything it does is so deeply scrutinized that fuck if Kinda I know it's like we're going to get their shit together, right? It sounds very running, much like the Oilers. We're running a little bit long here. so oh, wanna, we're running way long here. <laughs> so I want to get into <laughs> the last segment. Cut us. It's, a playoff, it's a playoff podcast. <laughs> Come on. This is the conference finals. Yeah, we're talking this about... This isn't an everyday thing. We're talking about a team eliminated in the first round, you guys. Come on. Come on. Let's keep it on. Yeah, the, we've detroited Toronto for a good seven minutes. There's a whole... There's The NHL is a big thing. <laughs> Lots of teams. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into you the want to test us. We can talk about a team for seven minutes that didn't even make the playoff Preston. <laughs> we're gonna we're this this predictions here is gonna be a little weird because we only know one matchup, so I'm gonna extend it a little bit here. Um we'll start did, off with uh, I did so seven. well in the first round and shit the bed the second round. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, I'm like I'm still, my half. ranger pick is still alive. Yeah, we have, Carolina uh, pick is also still alive. Yeah. <laughs> And I Carolina hasn't lost at home and hasn't won on the road yet. So who, who did knows? I pick? I can't remember who I picked in the Rangers. Carolina, you picked Carolina. No, Carolina. no, no. I picked the Rangers guy. I said no quit in New York. And so far oh. I've been right. Um because wow. they won in New Rangers York. They've been winning in New York. So. yeah. Carolina <laughs> can't win on the road. They have yeah. not won a it's funny, Carolina has not won a single road game this playoffs. Luckily, they've had home ice advantage for both matchups now. They'll have home ice advantage all the way through, I believe, too. No matter what, if they do win, 
Am I right about that? No, not until they, if they were to play Colorado. Colorado would, would over there. Yeah, okay, play. okay, Colorado would. But yeah, in the East, yes, they would. Um, in the East, yes. Okay, so first off, who who's winning game seven? Um, uh, Carolina and New York. I'm sticking with my Rangers pick. <laughs> I'm also sticking with the Rangers. I'm sticking with Colorado. Colorado hasn't okay, lost Carolina? at home. Carolina? Or, or Carolina, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Carolina hasn't lost at home. Okay, so, and then the East final, we're going to do two things here. We're going to do if Carolina wins and if New York wins. So if it's Tampa Bay and Carolina, who wins that one? My head says Tampa Bay and my heart says I don't want to see Tampa Bay three-peat Carolina. (laughs) Um, And then alternately New York. I just don't want Tampa through. Somebody deal with that. So you're, you're on a Carolina. Whoever wins game seven, on Monday night, which for us is tomorrow, but on yeah. the first day of this episode is today, you have them going to the cup final. I don't want Tampa there, so I'm going <laughs> okay. to have to go. All right. <laughs> I'm going to say Tampa goes to the final. No matter what? Yep. Okay, so we got to... Tampa, this is, this is going to be their Islander thing. They're going to go to the finals, and then either Colorado or Edmonton will beat them. Okay, so they're going to get there and lose. Yeah, I don't know so, how that's going to happen with Vasilevsky, so you're but putting, that's you're, what I'm going to go You're putting a lot of, <laughs> of, of pressure on your, your pick for the Colorado Edmonton series. I'll go last here. I picked yeah. the Oilers in six last round out of more out of faith than what I really thought was going to happen. I was wrong in the most spectacular way. I know. I was one and five. Seven, so I was more wrong. But I was the it. I was the only one who had the Oilers, so um, I'll reserve my <laughs> pick for last. You were most wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so who do you guys got in Colorado and Edmonton? The um, Cup I, winners, in Rob's uh, in Rob's yeah, words. After I decided to pick with my more so a little more with my head and favor Calgary last round. I will pick with my heart and pick with the Oilers this round. All right. How many games? Uh, six. And to six. be fair, even if I'm picking with my head, they have a, they have a legit shot. I just think Colorado is a slightly better team, but I think uh, those two horses find a way to get it done. All right. Shona. I am picking with my superstition. Um, so I'm going <laughs> abs in seven. <laughs> The reverse curse. <laughs> I'm an um, incredibly playoff superstitious person, you know, more so, you know, a teams I actually give a more of a fuck about than the Oilers, but an incredibly superstitious person. So if it worked last time, absent seven, sorry, salad ingredients, really sorry. So, and Rob, Rob I just wanted you to get, get you on, on record of this. So the Oilers are winning the cup then. Yeah, I, the, the fact <laughs> I'm going to sit here and say Apparently, the geez. Oilers are going to win the cup with the goaltending they have is staggering <laughs> to me. But that is what I'm going to go with. Okay, well, I am also going to stick with my prediction from last round. Oilers in six, they go to the cup final. If the Oilers want to win it in four or five, hey, I'm fine with that. Four. I'm fine with being wrong. Hey, <laughs> if they want to win it in less, I'm fine. And four is on below six. Do I think it's going to happen? No way in hell the Oilers are sweeping the abs, but if they want to, they can. All the power to them, I'll allow them to do it. And I'll You're be, feeling it? Feel it? What? I'll be grace, gracefully wrong in the Oilers in six if the Oilers win in four. One of these years, a Canadian team has to win the cup. And it's going to be this year. Okay, I also... Going to Rob. It might be. 
Rob Rob is uh Rob is replacing Corey as my hype man on here. I'm going with him. Oilers to the cup. They're doing it. They're going to do it. <laughs> oh dear God. Uh, <laughs> hey, hi if you if you listen to Woodcroft and all his uh little preach sessions the day after games, he's right. There's only four teams here that are gonna be left right away. So they got a 25% chance. Yeah. Hell yeah, this is the year. Let's do it. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for our uh, conference oh, final oh, preview oh, here. Oh, you got thing. something showing up? The Oilers follow Rob and win the cup. Does that mean we have to keep Holland? I think he, I, I think honestly, he and I thought it before, I think he might like bump himself. Well, I don't know if he's going to bump himself up, but I think he might take over for Nicholson. I think I'm he might straight saying. up retire. Because he's got like, what, two. It was five years, right, that he signed Holland? And I think this is year three, correct? Something like that. Yeah, so he'll have two years left. They're not going to pay him five mil to go away, and he's not going to walk away from five million. But I wouldn't be surprised if he bumps himself up. And I'm sure Nicholson's got something in the, something brewing to go do something else. It would only make sense. He's been here a long time. I will say this. At this moment in time, we'll, the news will be known by the time this podcast goes out, but Daniel Nugent Bowman tweeted out that he has a story tomorrow morning. That would be Monday morning. That's been a long time in the making. Oilers fan, I hope you enjoy it. So maybe it's something on the upper management there. I'm not too sure, but uh, interesting. Okay, maybe now that, that that's clarified, I don't have to keep Holland if we win the cup. Go for it, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, uh, a few more years of Holland in exchange for a cup win. I take it. I take it every day of the week. Um, it's not not every day that happens. So, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for our uh, lengthy conference final preview. Game one you goes in Denver, Colorado on Tuesday. I believe we have 6 p.m. Mountain start time, so a little bit earlier than we're used to. Uh, I think that's nice. I know some eight other o'clock. people. Bring the 8 o'clock games. <laughs> I'm used I, to them. I love, the, I love the early start time, so I'm not complaining. But... 10 to 9. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, I think the next time you guys will hear from us is uh, either the Oilers are in the Stanley Cup final or the Avalanche has eliminated us. I don't think that's going to be positive, alternately, buddy. Alternately, halfway through the, the conference, if it's or halfway through the conference finals, if they're super interesting, yeah, and everyone's schedules line up. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I know there was times in this series we wanted to do a like a little mid series thing, but just schedules didn't line up. So I'm, I'm going to be conservative here and say after the series most likely is our next episode so uh thank you guys for listening and uh we'll we'll talk to you guys then